So yeah, we're, we're continuing on our, our coat series, uh, and this brings us to part two, I guess it is, and last week we spoke about the concept of the coat of restoration, and how Noah uh, found himself in a bit of a doozy, and his sons restored him by laying a coat upon him, and, and so we spoke about the concept of what it means, what, what in your life, since Jesus restored you, now you must seek to restore whether it's family, friends, or, or whatnot. And so this week, uh, we continue on this awesome series uh, with what God's personally laid upon my heart. And it more comes out of a place that has been quite the journey for me. See, when I was younger, we, and most of us here, when we were younger, we always aspired to be something. Generally, it was one of three topics. It was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? A firefighter, a police officer, or a doctor, generally. Um, if, if you're a senior pastor, then you probably just wanted to be an all black because he's that holy to the sport. Uh, but maybe for Yalta, maybe, maybe he just wanted to be as awesome as he is today, and you're winning. But, on, but again, most of us had something that we wanted to be. Now, for me, when I grew up, funnily enough, I, I wanted to be a police officer. I really did. I really did. Funnily enough, because if you know my... My family and a background, yeah, it, it doesn't really line up. But I always wanted to be, <laughs> I always wanted to be a police officer. I always liked the concept of really wanting to change the nation and fight the bad guys and be the hero of the day. And I, I remember seeing this ad and uh, just the concept of, of a cop chasing someone down. It was like Baywatch scene, you know, except in a police uniform. And you're like... I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. You know, that was always my, what was playing over in my head. Okay, that was probably before a lot of your guys' time. <laughs> but I always had the idea that, man, I'd love to just chase someone down and tackle them through a fence or something. It'd just be really cool. Like, really. Like, they think they've got away because they're about to climb over and, and boom. And so, for me, I, I really, really wanted to be this guy that was gonna change everything, change the community I was in, uh, hopefully they would give me a car so I could, I could change the highways and, and do all that I could uh, to instill justice and authority. So this was my, my, my mindset going into it. And so when I went into school, uh, you would think, you would assume that the topics I chose or, or the studies that I did, uh, I, I would involve Whatever, it, whatever I needed or whatever it, it took to become an, a police officer. Because when you aspire to be something, you want to carry on the path or do all that you can so that you actually get there. Example, if Pastor Ant really wanted to be a, an All Black, uh, he wouldn't go start playing soccer. That's right. People are quiet in this room, like you're wondering trying to figure out, the All Blacks are our national rugby team, for those of you who don't know, and if you don't know, we have a prayer service in the back room, down in that dark, dingy room, no, that's a second. But he wouldn't go and play soccer. If you wanted to be a photographer, you wouldn't then go join IRD and be in their call center. Or you might, if you're just trying to save some funds to get yourself a camera. But again, if you're wanting to be something, and if you strive to really chase after something, you would do all that you could. Out of a passionate heart, uh, you would really pursue 
what it is that you really want for your life. And so for me, really wanting to be a police officer, I get into school, and basically from primary onwards, uh, I was pretty disruptive. Uh, instead of, of, of fixing things, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, get him, get him, and, and, and fuel the fire, if you will. Because, you know, that's what police officers do, right? They just, hey, yeah, come on, get him, get him. So I had this attitude that uh, instead of actually chasing after him, pursuing him, I didn't. I didn't actually pursue being a police officer. And all it meant was I literally, uh, in all of the schools that I ever attended, was probably the most disruptive and the most, or the lowest percent attendance. Everything that I could achieve to be the naughtiest of all naughties, uh, I did it. And so when someone would ask me if I'm going to be a police officer or what I wanted to be, and I said, a police officer, what do you think their first reaction was? you're on a TUI board, you know. Orion being a police officer, yeah, right. <laughs> That's exactly the response I got. Like, yeah, right. You're dreaming. Until one day, a teacher actually approached me, and she said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, uh, I, I always sort of wanted to be a police officer. And she told me straight, the only person, up uh, at this time I was, I was year five, Frankton Primary, and she told me straight, and she said straight to my face, she said, Orion, if you're really going to be a police officer, you need to snap out of it. And I was like, you know, year five, about seven to eight years old. I was like, what? Very afraid, because she went full serious. Never, she was not a serious teacher, and so she told me, and she starts to tell me that if you really are passionate about being a police officer, you would do all that you could. You would listen in class, not just because I'm telling you to, but because those are attributes and characteristics of what a cop needs. I was like, oh yeah, okay. And then she starts to go down this list. You, you need leadership. Yeah, you can lead, you can influence people, but only by laughing and because they just laugh at your laugh uh, and all the rest of the different bits and pieces. And she starts saying all these things. And then it finally clicked. I finally actually asked myself, do I actually want to be a police officer? Do I actually want to influence communities and the nation? And so the question arose again, do I actually want to be a police officer? See, because in order for me to actually chase after what I wanted to pursue, things had to change. See, I had to go this way, but I was running this way at that present time. Police officer, beating people up, being naughty as. Something needed to change. And so... For those of you taking notes or, or looking after anything, uh, basically the title of this message tonight is The Old Versus The New. See, because when it comes to venturing into the future, and, and Grant, actually, Grant actually spoke about it a couple of weeks ago when he last preached, uh, what gets you here won't necessarily get you there. And see, this is a concept that I personally struggled with, is that if I wanted to go over there, I just thought I still had to stand here. Go figure. Where am I going to venture? Well, nowhere. You're just going to keep standing in the same spot looking strange. Like if you turn up in two weeks' time to a Sunday service, you'll just be standing outside looking strange. Well, there is another group here at that time. But So tonight, uh, we're going to really look at two biblical characters that I absolutely admire. Two biblical characters that, that in regards to the protege of one of these guys, understood what it meant to go from the old into the new. 
to being passionate about one thing, but knowing he was meant for something else and deciding to actually pursue it. And so the two people we're going to talk about tonight is the two prophets, Elijah and Elisha. See, Elijah was a God-ordained prophet, absolute man of God. Literally, his name meant follower of God. Elijah meant follower of God. And so he was super passionate about doing everything that God had told him to. He was super passionate that Israel would come back into a place of being absolutely passionate about God and, and, and the way that God had created them and that God had called them out of Egypt, out of slavery, to come into a place of just worshiping God and seeing him consistently provide. And Elijah was so all about this. And he comes, and he comes across what is now his protege, or soon-to-be protege, and he comes across this young man called Elisha. And so we're going to pick up in the Bible story uh, from 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. And, and this is directly picking up from when Elijah notices and anoints Elisha. So if you can grab your Bibles out, devices, whatever it is that you use, we're going to jump over to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he, he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Threw his cloak around him. As we continue on, Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. See, now really looking at the concept of this whole thing, even jumping back to uh, verse 19, is the concept that Elijah came over and placed a cloak upon Elisha. Placed a cloak upon him, and, and, and in this time, it was really what, what was represented at this moment of placing his cloak over him is that he was placing his mantle. He was placing his gifting. He was placing the same calling because he recognized something in Elijah. In Elijah recognized something in Elisha that I guess no one else really saw. Because at this time, Elisha was known as someone that was just tending to the fields and doing his thing. Up until this point, Elisha was just being what you would consider an ordinary bloke. See, what came into my mind when I've read verse 19, if we can chuck that back up, verse 19, when it says, so Elijah, and it starts to, and Elijah sees something in Elisha. See, at this moment, I, I questioned, did Elisha have a dream to be something greater? Did Elisha have something else that he actually wanted to do? Just a thought. Did Elisha think that there was actually going to be anything else for him than just tending to his oxen and plowing his fields and, 
and, and sowing the seed and doing all those little bits and pieces that he was doing, maybe because that's what his family always did, and so he just inherited the next thing, and it just kept going on. But see, God had something else for him. See, just like my own life, as I was sharing to you guys, I, I, I wanted to be a police officer. Uh, and that obviously didn't work out because I'm standing here. Uh, but I really thought I did until that teacher confronted me that day. In the same way, Elijah approaching Elisha. And it was at that moment where I started to really think about what it is that I actually wanted to do. Did I really want to be a police officer? No, not really. It just sounded cool. I think it'd be cool just driving a car and flashing some lights around and people moving out the way for you. But see, we come into this moment where, again, as, as verse 19 reads, Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And this is the moment where Elisha becomes ordained. This is the moment where Elisha is now set apart. And see, now we've got to get this response because this is going to change. Because realistically, what we're looking at now is what I always like to say is the keys to success in order to go from the old to the new. See, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. So we can just imagine this moment. It would have been really strange. Imagine if you're just like doing your thing with your oxen and this guy just like comes up, chucks his coat on you and is just like... Because that's basically what happened. It says Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He's probably like, whoa, what's this? What's going on? And then he comes... And says, let me kiss my father, let me say my goodbyes, let me do my thing. Elijah says, okay, sweet as, but this is the part that I really want you all to get tonight, is verse 21, and it says, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah. Then he set out to follow Elijah. See, Elijah recognized what it meant to have a mantle placed on his life, a supernatural calling, something that was about to change everything that he had ever done up until that point. So much so that he recognized also that he's most likely a human like me and you, and if, let's put it this way, if you have something that you know you want to do, but there's still some things that you need to sort out, and there's still some things holding you back, like making you second guess. So you start chasing after. So I'm like, I'm going to go be a police officer. And I'm like, but my friends are cool. And now I think I'm weird. And I like having fun in class. And I like being disruptive. So I'm just going to, oh, but now I want to be a police officer. Oh, but my friends really are funny. And they are my really, I've grown up with these guys. Oh, okay. Nah, nah. So he starts venturing back into, but Elisha knows that he's one of those guys. This is my thinking is that Elisha knows that this moment, he recognizes that if there was anything to be left, he would consider going back if times got hard. And so what does he do? He destroys everything that he used to do. He gets rid of absolutely everything that he had in his little comfortable place that would take him from his calling and bring him back into what was not of God. And he absolutely gets rid of it. And then... What he does is blesses people because he cooks the food, gives it all out, and then this is the vital part is that then he set out to follow. See, in your life, every single one of you right now in this room has a God-ordained purpose. Amen? 
Every single person has been called by name to absolutely change the world, to absolutely change communities, to absolutely change work environments, wherever you find yourself, family situations. And the calling and the anointing is just waiting for you to step into it and to start walking into it. See, Elisha could have just been like, sweet, mean coat. Carried on doing this thing and jigging on. But what he does is he approaches Elijah, goes, what's going on? I just need to say goodbye. And he's like, sweet. And he absolutely gets rid of everything that he would be able to be comfortable with and that would call him back into a place that is not of God, that is totally against his calling, that is totally against his purpose. See, I want to submit to you tonight, or you all, I should say, submit to you all tonight, that are there things in our lives that are holding us back from what God's calling us into? Maybe it's a workplace. Whew. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's, it's something that you know. You can even, there might even be things popping into your mind right now. See, for Elisha, something that would have kept them back and would have kept them thinking, oh, I could at least go back to that, is going back to his fields and doing his thing. And so the thing I want to submit to you tonight is what is it that you have to remove and destroy so that you don't have any temptation of going backwards. And all that you can do is literally walk forward because you ain't got nothing left. See, sadly for my own life, instead of me removing and destroying it like Elisha, God had to do some real work and literally get rid of some things and make some things fall apart in order for me to actually realize, oh, maybe God is all for me. <laughs> Who would have thought? Then he set out to follow. See, there are some very, very, very significant keys to success in the scripture. And as we just jump forward into uh, Elijah departing, we just want to pick the story up uh, at the end of, of their friendship, which is Second Kings chapter 2, and we're starting at verse 11. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. I'm just saying that would have been crazy epic. Imagine that. You're just walking with your bro, and then all of a sudden, boom! What was that? What even took place? Where is Kevin? Where is my bro? Like, what would that feel like? Imagine that. Literally, chariots of fire. Like, it's like epicest movie I've seen in my life, but it's 4D. It's, it's taking place right in front of me. As we pick up in verse 12, Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots are and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. We just read about him destroying all of his own equipment to then take up what God had called him into, to be the next prophet after Elijah. He then comes into a place, and knowing that he hasn't got the coat on or the mantle just yet, he comes into a place that, again, I'm about to pick up something. 
that's going to change my life. And so I need to get rid of something in order to move into that something. See, in order for him to really move into what God had called him into, he had to first get rid of the garment, get rid of the mantle, the old. And as we pick up in verse 13, it says, Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of Jordan. He removes the old in order to pick up and start wearing the new. In other words, just like from last week, he clutched it, he carried it, because he saw that there was value in Elijah's cloak and the mantle that he had been blessed with from God. After, straight after this in verse 14, we read that he does exactly what Elijah did, and he literally smacks the cloak on the Jordan River, and the waters part, and he gets to walk across it instantly from just picking up the cloak. See, again, tonight, I want to submit to you, are there things in your life right now that you need to tear off? Are there things in your life that you need to remove and destroy? Are there things in your life holding you back from God's calling and purpose that he's spoken all over your life, that he's literally ordained from the get-go? Are there things in your life that you have to come into a place of literally destroying in order for you to chase after God with all your heart, soul, and body, and mind? See, if we're going to come into a place of really, truly being passionate about God and passionate about saving his people, then we have to come into a place of being first passionate about him and the calling that he's placed on our life. And in order for us to really move forward, we have to, we have to, because I know most of you are like me, and, and sadly we can always go, yeah, 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 and oh, what? Then comes the fall. Then comes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whoops, that was awkward. And it, and it was while everyone was looking. And then the strange thing took place, and oh, and now, now I, I, I just, I, I just feel too ashamed. So what I'm going to do is just go back to what I did, because it's a nice, safe place, and it's easy, and I know it real well. But see, God would say, "Don't do that." God would say, "Would you just come, and would you consistently keep chasing that thing? Let's get rid of it. If you would just get rid of that, and then start following me, you will come into a place." you would come into a place of really stepping into your calling and the purpose that God has spoken over your life. See, when I look around this room, I see potential for people to change not only Hamilton, but the world. I see missionaries in the room. I see future leaders. I see business directors. I see, I see people that are literally going to change absolutely everything. And right now, you can't see that because you're stuck in a place that you need to remove and destroy it. And so what I would ask you tonight is what in your life is keeping you from pursuing God wholeheartedly, 110%, with all that you have? See, from the stories we just read, what I would say is that there's two steps to freedom, two steps to success that we're going to cover tonight, and this is really what's going to help you because you might say, okay, great thoughts, yeah, I, I think I've got some stuff, so what? What do we do now? And so... Now we get into this place is where I submit to you step one and step two. Literally two steps that are going to change your life if you take them on board. 
and that is remove it and destroy it. Remove it and destroy it. That's your step one. And then pursue the new. Remove it and destroy it. So if, if there's a job that you absolutely are aware that is holding you back, maybe it's that job that you're like, oh, but I just, I just don't want to do this, but, it's, but, but it, it pays well. But I feel like I could be helping out a church more. Or I feel like I could, I could go maybe on a missions trip. Oh. What is the comfort that's holding you back? See, for us, we come in, sadly, we always come into a place of trying to find comfort that's not in the comforter. Do you understand what I'm saying? That the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And so for us to find true comfort, it's not found in the workplace, it's not found in friends, it's not found in, in, in boyfriend or girlfriend, or it's, it's, again, it's not even found in, in your, your family as, as blessed as they are or as maybe as jacked up as they are. It's, that it's, not found up in, it's not found in that place. The comfort is found in the comforter. That's the Holy Spirit. That's when we get into relationship and submit ourselves to Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, and then we are filled to the brim. Woo! Filled to the brim by the Comforter that walks with us daily if we would lead Him, if we would consistently pursue Him. And so I absolutely believe that there are people in this room that this applies to. That God would say, if you would just remove it and destroy it, and pursue the new, we'll start to see my plan unravel over your life. You've got big dreams? Yeah, I've got bigger. God humbly humbles, or, or quietly humbles us and, and stands, oh yeah, that's, that's great, that's great, but man, I, I've got bigger. I've got bigger for you. Oh yeah, you've got a cool family. Well, there's even more blessing to come. Oh, well, you think you're, you, you're, you're quite well off now? No, well, there's more in that. And that's the favor of God, and that's the love of God. That's the compassion of God. And so a scripture that goes toe-to-toe with this is 2 Corinthians 5.17. For the old has gone, or therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. See, again, I have to ask, what in your life right now do you need to remove and destroy so that you can now pursue the new. See, for me, trying to be a police officer and being a little rascal at school didn't really quite work. And so one gave way. I'm super stoked that one gave way, and it, and it wasn't that I became a police officer. But it meant that I had to make a choice. And well, the nature of my human nature and who I just was made the choice for me. And so sadly, sometimes in life is that people will come and they won't let go of the old and they won't pursue the new. And God would consistently sit there waiting, eagerly. He's like, man, just, just pick up the coat, pick up the mantle, let's get it done. And sometimes we just get into a place of turning our back. See, I would love to, I just want to tell you guys that tonight should be the night that we actually turn around and say, you know what, God, I'm all for you. Let's remove and destroy absolutely everything because I want to pursue you because I know the plans that you have for me, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans for a hope and a future. And so if he is the giver of every good and, whew, and perfect gift. 
God is good, amen. God is so good. He has a plan for you. Man, he has such an awesome, amazing plan for every single one of you. And we just got to step into it. We just got to really start pursuing. We just got to come into a place of really saying, you know what, God, let's, let's have a genuine relationship. And, and even though we're a little afraid, see, personally, uh, if you don't know, now you know, is uh, we're, we're campus planting over at the university next year. And see, even when I mention that, uh, my mind would tell me that it's too big. My mind would tell me that that task is too big, that your personality, eh, won't really vibe with too many people. And a lot of things would consistently tell me that uh, maybe in a year or two, let's push it off for another year. And then I recognize that the old has gone and the new has come. And that it's not me going to the university in physical form it is, but supernaturally God has ordained it. And God is speaking into that place and God has called and placed a mantle on my life to then say the university is where you're going, Orion. And so now I can then stand from a place of confidence and boldness to say, hey, it's not of me, but guess what? It's all about God and you. <laughs> you best be watching that space. You better be scared. Some people might be scared. I'm super ecstatic because it means that people come into a place of not wasting time and actually rocking out in something that they know is good and that they're actually aware of instead of always second-guessing, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done this, maybe I shouldn't have studied that, maybe I should have actually just not dated that person or what. But because we have the answer, because we have the key, we can now lead people into a place that they know that they know that this is the plan that God has for them, and they can now run this race intently for what God has called them by name. The old is gone, and so the new shall come. As we close, I just, uh, I want to read this awesome, awesome poem. I didn't write it. Don't know who wrote it. But just, uh, just listen in. Two coats were before me, an old and a new. I could have either, so what must I do? One coat was ugly and terribly torn. The other a new one had never been worn. I'll tell you the best thing I could ever do, oh, the, the best thing I could ever do is lay down the old coat and put on the new. The old coat was earthly and not fit to wear. I thought of it often and shed many a tear. Then there was a clean one presented to view. I laid down the old coat and put on the new. The first man was earthly and made on the ground. We all bore his image the whole world around. The next was my savior from heaven so fair. He gave me this new coat. You now see me wear. I'll tell you the best thing that you could ever do is lay down the old coat and put on a new. Now this coat, it fits me and keeps me so warm. It's good in the winter. It's good in the storm. My savior has dressed me in garments so rare. He fills me with glory. His image I'll bear. And so as we close tonight, the best thing that you could ever do is lay down your old coat 
and pick up a new. See, when I look around this room, I do see potential. I was once in a, in a position where I sat right at the back and just wondered, why am I even here? What have I got to present to this world? What have I got to actually make this better? Man, if I was a cop, what a joke. I couldn't have even been a good cop. What, have I, what do I have to present? And then God came in. And he said, Orion, whew, you got a bit of humor. We'll sharpen it up. You know how to talk? Yeah, we'll get there too. But what you have is a willingness. And I want to use it. So Ryan, would you let me use your willingness? And we'll do all the rest. And so what he put out before me was a blank contract, literally titled Orion's Contract with God. Nothing in it. And it just had a dotted line at the bottom. And he just handed over a pen and said, would you sign? And so I said to him, yeah, for sure. Let's sign. And he said, the only thing is, we'll fill it in as we go. And so that's what God would say tonight, is that the calling that I've placed on your life, the leadership skills, the things that you've been through in the unseen places, all the crying, the weeping, I'll use it. You're now going to be able to reach people that Orion can't reach. You're now going to be able to do things that no one else is doing. And so he would say tonight, would you sign on the dotted line and we'll figure it out together along the way. And so again, I got to tell you that the best thing in your life that you could ever do is lay down the old and pick up the new.